the third week of the fifth month of 2021 is here, but don't expect it to last too long. Even though the amount of sunlight increases each day for another month to come, time appears at times to be accelerating. This is May 17th, 2021, and this is another Monday installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, capturing some of what's happened in this past week to prepare for all that's going to happen in the next several days. On today's show, consultants with the Charlottesville Plans Together initiative explains more about the land use policy reform that they're overseeing. Charlottesville Mayor Nakaya Walker will make a decision about running this year by Friday. Charlottesville Albemarle Convention and Visitors Bureau launches a new campaign to attract black tourists to the area. Today's Patreon-fueled shout-out is for the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Campaign, an initiative that wants you to grow native plants in yards, farms, public spaces, and gardens in the northern Piedmont. Native plants provide habitat, food sources for wildlife, ecosystem resiliency in the face of climate change, and clean water. Start at the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page and tell them that Lonnie Murray sent you. There are four declared candidates campaigning so far in the race for two seats on the Charlottesville City Council that are open this November, and none of those campaigning are incumbents. Mayor Nakaya Walker announced her re-election campaign in February of 2020 and took to Facebook Live today to say that she will decide by Friday whether to go through with her candidacy. In her comments, she cited a series of deaths in her family as one reason why she has not been campaigning yet. In mourning, she's realized how much public service has taken from her life. It consumes every day, um, all of my time. It has been very difficult to serve in Charlottesville. Walker said she had heard from former city councilor Holly Edwards, as well as councilor Wes Bellamy, that being a black person in office was difficult. They didn't come blazing the way I've been blazing. Uh, And it, it was still a challenge for them. One thing I learned is that really no matter who you are, if you're black and female or if you're just black, people don't necessarily always want to listen to you. Walker said if she doesn't run, she will continue to hold people accountable. If Walker does run, she will be on the ballot as an independent as she was in 2017, when she became the first non-party affiliated candidate to win election in Charlottesville since 1948. If she runs, she'll be on the ballot with Yasmin Washington, who did not qualify for the Democratic primary. That's happening on June 8th. In that race, three candidates are seeking two nominations. The candidates are school board member Juan Diego Wade, 2019 candidate Brian Pinkston, and political newcomer Carl Brown. Last week, the Public Housing Association of Residents and two other organizations held a campaign forum for all declared candidates in which Walker did not participate. On Thursday, the Martha Jefferson Neighborhood Association will hold a forum beginning at 7 p.m., and I'll hold a joint event with the Free Enterprise Forum on May 27th, also at 7 p.m. The quasi-governmental organization that seeks to attract tourists to Albemarle and Charlottesville has formally launched a campaign to bring people to the area to learn about black stories. 
The Charlottesville Albemarle Convention and Visitors Bureau has launched Discover Black Seaville across social media and other channels, including Facebook and Instagram. According to a press release, the initiative is the result of nine months of meetings with dozens of community members. Discover Black Seaville marks the beginning of ongoing efforts to tell modern, historically accurate, and inclusive black stories in Charlottesville and Albemarle County. These efforts will be guided by a steering committee of engaged community members highlighting the arts, outdoor recreation, local food and beverage, thriving culture, and strong community. The goals of Discover Black Seaville are to support black-owned businesses while attracting more black visitors to the community and to change the view of Charlottesville in the national perspective while simultaneously working toward real change. More on the campaign is available on the CACVB website. There are two weeks left to get in your input for the current round of community engagement for the Seville Plans Together initiative. To recap, that's a project commissioned by a former city council in 2019 to oversee creation of an affordable housing plan, the update of the comprehensive plan, and a rewriting of the zoning code. Council adopted the affordable housing plan in March, and the public is being asked now to comment on something called the Future Land Use Map, as well as draft chapters of the Comprehensive Plan. This is all a precursor to an update of the Zoning Code. Last week, on May 10th, staff with Roadside and Harwell held the first of two webinars to update people on the latest changes. Jennifer Koch is a project manager with Roadside and Harwell. The comprehensive plan is a document that describes and illustrates community goals uh, for the future and guides decision making uh, for various matters, uh, including land use and development, uh, transportation, economic development, etc. Once adopted, Roadside and Harwell will get to work on the next phase. In order for the land use and design policies and guidelines to be Uh, truly effective, they must be reflected in the zoning ordinance. And so that's why after the comprehensive plan update process, we're going to move forward to the zoning rewrite. But until then, May is a time for community engagement. The next scheduled meeting with the Planning Commission is not slated until late June. The May 10th webinar and a series of pop-up community engagement events are intended to educate people before they submit comment, which they can do in several ways, The links are in the newsletter, and these include completing a survey, leaving comments directly on the future land use map, sending an email to engage at sevilleplanstogether.com, or calling 1-833-752-6428. There is one consolidated chapter in the comprehensive plan drafts called Land Use, Urban Form, and Historic and Cultural Preservation. Many of its goals and strategies are taken from the Affordable Housing Plan adopted by Council in March. That plan has influenced other chapters as well. With the housing chapter, we we pulled in a lot of the recommendations from the Affordable Housing Plan. Actually, all of the recommendations from the Affordable Housing Plan um, are within the Comprehensive Plan draft. Um, And that includes everything from the land use recommendations to the funding governance, tenants' rights, and subsidy recommendations. Many of the areas being suggested for a higher intensity on the future land use map are locations where there are high concentrations of places with deeds with covenants that prevented sale, rental, or occupation by anyone deemed to be non-white. 
This was a common practice in much of the United States in the mid-20th century, after being validated in 1926 by the U.S. Supreme Court in the Corrigan v. Buckley case. In 1948, a later court ruled against the practice in Shelley v. Kramer. The practice continued anyway, with many deeds in Charlottesville recording the covenants until 1968, when the Federal Fair Housing Act explicitly banned them and made it illegal to discriminate on the basis of race, color, sex, religion, national origin, or disability. Journalist and researcher Jordi Yeager has been working to document the location of these covenants. The Mapping Seaville Project is also informing the Comprehensive Plan update. Ron Sessoms is with Roadside and Harwell. Um, the Mapping Seaville Project, which is a, a very interesting project um, that's taking place in the city, um, where they are mapping where racial covenants um, were historically located within the city. And these racial covenants uh, really define where particularly Black citizens were able to live within the city. Sesame said many of these areas are focused north of downtown, and he named the Venable and Rugby neighborhoods, as well as land between Preston Avenue and US 250. Um, so as a result, um, you know, these, the African-American community was not able to live there. And today, um, you know, these communities remain largely white um, and they're not diverse. Sessoms continued his history lesson, and here are some of the highlights. The first comprehensive plan in 1958 called for elimination of slums, which led to the urban renewal, first of Vinegar Hill in the 60s and then Garrett Street in the late 70s. Parking standards were adopted, as well as road-building projects that, while easing congestion, also tore down certain neighborhoods. These projects disproportionately affected Black households. Um, there's still some community hurt um, related to that. A zoning update in 1991 emphasized single-family zoning throughout the city. Twelve years later, in 2003, another rezoning upzoned several transportation coordinators and created something called Neighborhood Commercial Corridor Zoning. The city is now poised to act on a comprehensive rezoning rewrite in the near future, and that begins with the adoption of the future land use map, which colors different parts of Charlottesville with different intensities of development. It is a guide that can be used in evaluating development proposals in the future for rezoning, but it is not a legally binding plan uh, and is not legally required. So, um, you know, it's, it's a plan that is visionary, but it is not directly uh, legally binding, which is different from zoning. Zoning is a legally binding um, set of ordinances. The details about what can be developed, either by right or through a special use permit, depends on the future zoning. There will be much more refinement of the land use, future land use recommendations. Between March 30th and May 10th, the land use map put together by Roadside and Harwell, as well as its legends, has been updated. What had been described as low-intensity residential is now described as general residential, which seeks to encourage more than just single-family housing by allowing up to three units per lot. 
right now, a lot of the areas that we're showing, as many areas that we're showing as general residential are now um, zoned at least R1 or one unit per lot. Koch said part of the intention is to support wealth building in the community by encouraging construction of smaller scale homes for home ownership. Again, the land use policies cannot do any of these things on their own. We can't, we can't have a fully equitable sort of land use program unless it's the land use map is paired with other programs to ensure uh, affordability and protections for communities. Koch acknowledged on the May 10th webinar that many had concerns about what they saw on the map. Someone asked in the virtual chat if the consultants had even walked around the city. Fully understand, and we're, we're glad that people have raised potential concerns in, in your neighborhood. You all have a much deeper understanding than we do. But yes, we have been, we have been around, um, and we understand that um, you know looking at these potential changes for the future can be overwhelming and you know um, maybe concerning. But we have built into the recommendations a requirement to look consider the, the existing neighborhood context. The steering committee for the Seville Plans Together initiative next meets virtually on May 19th at 5.30 p.m. The next webinar is scheduled for May 25th at 6 p.m. I'm very interested to hear your continuing thoughts about this and whether or not they might have changed since this conversation began earlier this month. Again, you've got until May 31st to get your comments in. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. We will be back tomorrow with another installment. There is so much going on, and every single day I am so glad to be able to be here to try to bring this information to you. This is the work that uh, I've wanted to do my whole life, and I'm so grateful that there are so many who are supporting this endeavor, uh, either through a contribution through Patreon or by subscribing through Substack. If you do this, Ting will match your contribution. There is an explanation for why they are doing that in order to support local journalism in the newsletter someplace. And if you can't find it, let me know. I'll be happy to steer you in that direction. But what that's allowing me to do is to dream of continuing to cover this community well into, into the election and further on. Uh, there's other ways to support as well. But of course, the most important thing is if you can't support me financially at this point, please tell someone else about it and send it on. The whole point here is to make sure we're getting information to as many people as possible. That's how we become a better community. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of Charlottesville Community Engagement. I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, stay safe out there and have a great day.